0: Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. Just say it, you know what I mean? Alright, he told me I could borrow the car whenever I wanted,
1: Grace. You look at me with this pissed off look. Sam's dead. It crashed. What are you talking about? He's dead, Tommy. Come in, come in.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John,
2: and I'm bitter because the Cowboys lost.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I, well, in that case, I'm happy because Mahomes won.
2: You know, Mahomes got sacked like four times. So,
0: <laughs> look, you, you know what? No matter who won, it was a it, the game was good for Texas this week.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh,
0: Unlike that other team that exists that we don't acknowledge.
2: This is very true. Yeah. I don't even acknowledge Houston as a city, frankly.
0: <sighs> Too much of a hip hop fan to totally write Houston off. Uh, you know, I don't want to get haunted by the ghost of DJ Screw, so
2: at the risk of offending like, I don't know, eight million people, I, I just I don't see how anybody could live there.
0: Um, I had an aunt that lived there for a while, and actually, we used to go down there whenever I was a kid, and I had this really cool memory of uh, us going to, um, her husband owned a barbecue joint, and uh, my parents gave me a whole bunch of money to uh, play a bunch of songs on the jukebox. Of course, it was all country stuff, but back then, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like I think I played uh, Reba McIntyre's version of the Night Lights Mountain in Georgia like 800 times, <laughs> so... So yeah, but we're not talking about uh, barbecue joints in Houston this week. We are talking about, you know, a very light-hearted romantic comedy where you know nothing tragic and terrible happens.
2: And once again, folks, John has watched the wrong film.
0: Yeah, I, I do what I want at this point on the show. They know this. <laughs> That was the best joke I had on a bunch of cold medicine. <laughs> but this week we are talking about the film Brothers and we're doing the 2009 English language version uh, and not the 2007 Danish version so
2: <laughs> And so. by the way for those following along this is our Manly Movie of the Month episode. Um
0: yeah, I mean oh and- yeah it is this is Manly Movie of the Month. We have been so out of the regular run of the show, I don't know what's going on anymore. But I could make an argument that it we it, it, it could just be a regular episode too.
2: I uh, mean, <coughs> really could. Natalie Portman is is a pretty, but she's not like she's not the
0: main character. Well, I would argue. I think it's all three other stories.
1: That's but, true.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get into this. I'm sure as. Uh, we ramble along so uh, anyway so why don't we play the trailer and then we'll get into uh brothers
1: i can't feel it shouldn't i be able to feel it sam's dead what are you you talking about uncle tommy wake up we're making pancakes for mom so she won't be sad Our dad's dead. He knows. He's his brother. Your brother's a hero. Who is going to stand out for you once you're dead?
2: Is dad really dead like your mom and
0: dad? You know, your dad saved me in that water when we were little kids. You know you're like your dad?
1: You think I'm such a square. I'm starting to reassess, Snoop Dogg. Hello? Can you tell me your name? I want to talk to my wife. Right then. Did you sleep with her? What happened with you and Tommy? I thought you were dead. I just want to be able to come over and see the girls. What's wrong? Stop it. You're just Maggie's mom I'd rather sleep with Uncle Tommy than you. Isabel! You know what I did to get back to you? You know what I did? <laughs> I'm my back! Are you gonna shoot me? Stop,
0: stop, 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 stop. All right, brothers, starring Natalie Portman, History's Greatest Monster, Toby Maguire, Sam Shepherd, Mary Willingham, and uh, based on the Danish film *Brothers*, uh, directed by Susanna Beer, uh, this version was written by David uh, Benioff and directed by Jim Sheridan. Do you, do you think we have the Swifties on our uh, on our side now?
2: Um, if we do, by the end of the show, we certainly are not going to.
0: That is true. I let let me just say. Because you know we did spend a lot of the Jennifer's Body episode talking about Taylor Swift, or <laughs> by and by we I mean me, and let me just say in a pandering move, red red Taylor version is very good, much like red the non Taylor version. So
2: this is true. No arguments here.
0: Yeah. That being said, please just call me whenever they're doing the 1989 version. So,
2: I'm very much a Swifty. Um, despite that, I'm still <coughs> going to have the same opinion I have of Jake Gyllenhaal and his performance in this film. So,
0: Oh, yeah. Um, li- listen, uh, teenage girls that are now mm, 30 to 35. Um, breakups happen. I, and I didn't go posting on my ex-girlfriend's Instagram about how she possibly still has a couple of my books from that relationship. You know what? I just bought new books and moved on.
1: Hey, and
2: you know what? I yeah, really want you to can know. Get what it. For the, am I missing something? Where the hell has everyone been for the last, like, almost decade? When Red originally came out and Alt 2L came out, it was not a secret that that song was about Jay Gyllenhaal.
0: Yeah, and and all or, well, we don't know that it's about Jake Gyllenhaal officially, it, it because is. <laughs> because T- Taylor has never said this is about Jake. We just all assumed based on, you know, history and evidence and logic and reason. Uh, but but if you're gonna go posting like a child on Jake Gyllenhaal's. Uh, uh instagram uh anytime he you know takes his you know picture on there and decides to post it like he does uh you're no better than the people that w- went after jamie dorman recently uh because he was trying to produce uh promote his new movie and you all seem to think that he and dakota johnson were a real couple he was married He is married. He is still married to the same woman.
2: They didn't even... Do people not pay attention? Apparently, they didn't even really like each other. And it wasn't like a... It it was more a result of what they were having to do. is why they were uncomfortable around each other. But they did not like have a, a close friendship.
0: In some alternate universe where I have an ab muscle... If I was Jamie in that movie... I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't be comfortable around anyone on that set ever. Uh, Right. Although I am saying, I am saying I'm, I am now furious about his new movie Belfast because it's not playing in our area. And I am dying to see that. I'm like, I never thought I would get to a point where I'm like excited about a Jamie Dorman movie because he's not the greatest actor and Robin Hood didn't help.
2: And I mean, folks, let's keep this in perspective. Who is the worst monster here? One of Taylor's and and okay, this is this is where we start to get canceled and the Swifties come after us. But um just remember the more you come after us, the more listeners we get. So
1: this is true. <laughs>
2: um who is really the, the worst monster? One of Taylor's <coughs> X's or um the real player X? Because you know,
1: oh, oh, we're coming back. Molly's game.
2: Molly's game did no favors to Tobey Maguire, who also everybody knows.
0: Yeah, to- Molly's game made me say nice things about Michael Sarah. How dare you, Tobey Maguire? How dare you, you and your weird emo dance in Spider-Man Three? Maybe I put history's greatest monster on the right, wrong a- actor.
2: I'm just saying. Right. And I'm not saying... I mean, obviously, the man is probably not a saint. And I'm not saying he's not at fault in, you know, some aspects of the relationship. But I'm just saying that there's a common denominator in all of her relationships. Yeah.
0: Trial and error.
2: Right. Like every Um, other human being. And I would never, ever, ever ever come after her for her dating history because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think people yeah. have made way more of a way more of a deal out of it. And of course she writes about it. It's her life, just like how Adele writes about her life. But
0: yeah. um Ooh, that's a thing that could get me cancelled later. Spoilers.
2: <laughs> but it's not all about it's not all about the guys. You know, it's not yeah. always a hundred percent their fault.
0: And and also I, I take grooming more as like Drake and his relationship to 11 or 13 or 106 or whatever that character's name. I didn't see Stranger Things. <laughs> but that's grooming. That's just, I mean, you know, I, I, I will side on the edge of borderline creepy uh, with that big of an age difference. But like I said, once you get to him 30 and her, or her 40... Whenever, you know, they're in their 30s or 40s and dating up or younger, then it's not that weird. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's 71 and dating a 19-year-old. That's, I don't know if that's grooming, but that's just wrong.
2: You know, and. and Okay, okay. How did,
0: (laughs) we we really went off on one.
2: (laughs) Right. And people still see Woody Allen movies, so let's keep this in perspective.
0: Yeah, although I haven't watched a Woody Allen movie in a very long time, I also have to now redact like my 2012 uh, best of the year list because I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to die on a hill from Midnight in Paris. As good of a movie as that was, I'm like, eh, I can bump bump something up. <laughs>
2: Okay, so thank you, folks, for coming to uh, Swift Talk. Yeah. But um, as wonderful as she was, she was not in this particular film.
0: No, nope. other musical artists were. We'll we'll get into that. But um, let's begin as we always do, or no, let's move forward like we normally, you know, we should have started. Sammy, when was the first time you saw mm-hmm. Brothers?
2: Okay, so um, I'm not a hundred percent, but I want to say I saw this in theaters. Since we've been on the subject, this is when um, this is post day after tomorrow, when I was big into my um, I was I'm in love with Jake Gyllenhaal phase. Um, mm-hmm. Never never really got out of that phase. Yeah, but. Um, this was in the start of it. So, I remember seeing the preview for this movie and really wanting to see it. So, there's a pretty good chance I actually saw it in theaters. What about you?
0: Literally yesterday. <laughs> um, so, I remember, actually, the original Brothers coming out. And um, if you thought I'm a pretentious dillweed now, ooh. Oh, let me go into foreign films forever era, John. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I there, there's a now defunct podcast called Left Field Cinema, uh, and they and the host Mike would always talk about different art house films. And I mean, I was always still going to see you know a Tarantino or you know x Men or something like. Like I was still seeing the blockbusters, but I, that was whenever I was really diving into the more off the beaten path, the you know foreign stuff. And he uh, had recommended it, her director, uh, Susanna Beer, who made the film *After the Wedding*, which they just uh, uh, did a remake recently of. Uh, she uh, is part of the Danish filmmaking collective that was part of the Dogma '95 mo- movement, which was. Uh, basically rules-based filmmaking. Like, you couldn't have non-digetic music. All props had, had to be found, not placed. Um, directors couldn't be credited. It was an interesting concept on paper. Uh, Brothers was kind of like her... Brothers was uh, her big movie before, after the wedding. And it. I didn't see this movie, I think, because I was more like, uh... Hollywood remaking foreign films. Uh, how, dare, how dare they take something you know beautiful and subtitled and make it for... Learn to read, pleb Americans. Sammy may not know a difference between Old John and New John.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I, I think I did avoid it because the combination of wanting to see the Danish version first and also having not seen that the Danish version was automatically better in my mind uh we cut to yesterday 2021 um i own both versions of these movies and my intention truly was watch the danish version watch the american version so i can compare and tr- contrast and then you and i signed on to a show we've had i've had stuff in my personal life uh kind of keep me from uh keep a lot of take up a lot of free time that's kind of all i'm going to say uh but I now have an unwatched DVD of the Danish version, and I've watched the American version. So, take that, 27, 2007 John.
2: See, because 2007 John just hadn't met Sammy yet, who has an entirely different perspective, and and watches movies solely because Jake Gyllenhaal is in them.
0: Um, point, point, I would like to address the court. And say that uh, 2007 uh, is the later version of uh, 2004 John, who was seeing films because uh, uh, Eliza Dushku was in them. And watched all of True Calling because Eliza Eliza Dushku was in it. And that show is fucking terrible. Stall Survivors was fucking terrible. Uh, The Alphabet Killer, where Eliza finally... Oh, wait. Soul Survivors was the one where she had the lesbian scene, and that movie was fucking terrible. Uh, she got topless in Alphabet c- Killer. That movie was fucking terrible. Do I need to continue? Like, the only <laughs> thing from that, the only thing that Lesa Dushku did correctly in that particular era was bring it on and wrong turn.
2: <laughs> yeah, Um. in his defense, at least Jake Gyllenhaal was, has been, he's actually been incredibly intelligent in his film selection.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and he's had to do some films for them before he could start, you know, being selective. I mean, I saw The Day After Tomorrow in theaters, which is probably the worst Jake Hall movie I've said, I've seen, and I think my reaction of it then is is the same as now was, that was stupid, but things exploded, so.
2: Yeah, I actually really like that film. Um, it, I don't know, it's just a little... Nostalgic, I guess, but yeah, he's made really he's made really good choices in his film mm. career. Um, yeah,
0: I'm. I I actually sometimes now do see films because Jake Hall is in them because he's just that good. I mean, uh, I if if you haven't seen Nightcrawler,
2: it's it, really good. Oh
0: God, it's that movie was so amazing, and I was he just like
2: another one too. That that's kind of like um, I don't think. It got a whole lot of play, um, but I remember seeing it, and it was excellent. I'm gonna have to look it up. Um, so while I look it up, speaking of great selections he made, what about this film?
0: You mean the one, the one that we signed up to talk about? Yes. Was that a tra- was that supposed to be my transition into giving people the plot?
2: Yes, that was my bad attempt at a segue.
0: Oh, you're sinking to my level. You're better than that.
2: <laughs> oh, I already figured it out, though. <laughs> animal yes, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wait, no, you, however, you saw that I movie have with me. See, I have yet to see Donnie Darko. Um,
0: I really... Here's the thing. I really like Donnie Darko. Dark, I really like Donnie Darko. I think it's a fantastic film. Do not ask me to explain what happens in Donnie Darko. Do not ask me to try to make it make sense. Um, because I, I don't think it does. And I don't think that's and I don't honestly think that's a problem.
1: Okay. It, it,
0: yeah. Um if you make if you make your film weird enough and come and uh, uh stuff the soundtrack full of uh
2: Okay. So now let's see if John's Nyquil induced uh synopsis makes any sense.
0: I just, wanted, I just want everyone to understand, I did this synopsis from memory, and I watched the film yesterday. <laughs> Brothers is the story of Tommy and Sam. Tommy is an ex-con, just released from prison for bank robbery, and Sam is a Marine headed with a family headed back to Afghanistan. Tommy and his, Tommy's relationship with the family is rocky at best, while Sam is seen as a hero and beloved by all who know him. While on a mission, Sam's helicopter is shot down and he is presumed dead. After the funeral, Tommy tries to start repairing his life and becomes close with Grace, Sam's widow, played by Natalie Portman. Of course, in my notes, uh, when I write, wrote this, I wrote down Queen Amadala because I couldn't remember her character's name. <laughs> <clears throat> Would you like me to read the rest of it as I continue with, with the, the names I put in there? Yes. Okay. One night, Tommy and girl from uh, Leon the Professional share a kiss, but decide not to take things further. In Afghanistan, Sam is alive but captured and held by the Taliban with his other fellow Marine, John. Their captors torture John and break down Sam mentally, forcing Sam to kill John with a pipe. Later, a platoon rescues Sam and sends word back home that Sam is alive after all. Back home, Sam, oh my God, Sam, 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 Back home, Sam tries to, visit, uh, tries to go back to normal, but the mental damage is visibly there, and it begins to create a distance between him, his kids, and his family. Sam asks Tommy if he slept with girl from Heat, uh, saying he'd forgive him. But during Padme's birthday, tensions are high, and Sam yells at his daughter, who says her mom and Tommy had sex all the time. Uh, Later that night, sensing something's wrong, Tommy returns to their house, where he confronts a gun-wielding Sam, uh, and their parents called called the cops. Uh, Sam holds a gun on Tommy, and then himself, Tommy is able to de-escalate the situation, and Sam is arrested and committed and sent to a mental hospital. While there, the daughter from Heat says uh, he has to tell her what is going on if he doesn't want to lose her, and he confesses that he killed John. And the film ends with Sam wondering if he can ever live a normal life again. And Jim Sheridan then crows you 2 into the second least Irish film he's ever made. I mean, I think I got it pretty close. I, I left all the cabinet building for our discussion.
2: Well, that was, um, that was a version of the film.
0: <clears throat> so, I, I just, I kind of want to talk about um, when I started getting excited about doing this film. Because I'm not going to lie, I kind of, even all these years later, all these years later I kind of didn't want to do this at first, just to be honest, because we started the year with stop loss, and I was not prepared to go back to Afghanistan, you know, but...
2: Except I, Sammy had to push it.
0: <laughs> Sammy pushed it, but I didn't know all this time that Jim Sheridan directed this film, and I... Love Jim Sheridan. He's an Irish filmmaker. He's made three absolute classics with uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, my favorite being In the Company, and wow, well, In the Name of the Father. But he also made The Boxer, he made My Left Foot. He did a film um, around mid 2000s called In America, which was about an Irish family um, traveling to, uh, immigrating to America. The uh, and this is his probably mo- one of his two most Hollywood films, and it's the least Irish of the two. Um, his or no, his second least Irish, the least Irish is he did a film called Get Rich or Die Trying, starring Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. <laughs> that movie was made off of the heels of Eight Mile, where it was where everyone seemed to go. Oh, uh, a rapper uh, made a successful movie. Do it, do it again. Do it again. Tell his story in, in a movie.
2: You know, when will people stop realize they just need to stop competing with Eminem because he's just going to win.
0: Um, I will, I will concede that Eminem is a better rapper than um, Fifty Cent. Which you know, don't cancel me for that hot take.
2: And he did a fairly good acting job in Eight Mile, also.
0: And, you know, I kind of wish Eminem had gone the route of uh, Snoop and Ice Cube and done a little bit more acting. Because I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was great in that. And I don't know of another thing that M has done as an actor.
2: Yeah, I don't he, really think it's his thing.
0: Yeah. He has continued uh, a relationship with the mo- motion picture industry, whether he should or not. Because he's done songs for both Venom films. <laughs>
2: We're not even going to get into that argument because yeah. I know how you feel about those songs.
0: Well, I haven't heard the the most recent song because I was like, no, I'm not doing that again. I hate and detest Venom, the song with a passion. I'm not that big of a um, fan of the film either. But do you want to know who's a big fan of the second uh, Venom movie?
2: First of all, before you go there, You can just sit there and be wrong, and just
0: you cannot finish. You you can't make that quote if you haven't even seen the episode it's from.
2: Right, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes,
0: sometimes the self-importance of film school believes that you know Hollywood blockbusters are you know the death of cinema, and that true cinema is something real. And I'm just like, cinema is something real, but also. Cinema is something when something explodes and a guy in a cape beats the shit out of a CGI monster. You know?
2: So Somehow, um, <coughs> we ended up talking about the wrong superhero film during this episode. I did not expect us to go there.
0: Okay. Oh, no, no, we're gonna get there because, you know, Marvel got a hold of two of the three of these... No, Marvel got a hold of all three of these people and, uh... I argue that one was uh, miscast and one should have been cast.
2: Oh, I, I actually, I see your argument um, and, and we include the audience. in. I guess he's insinuating Jake Hall should have been cast as Spider-Man. I'm not going to disagree, despite Tobey Maguire's phenomenal performance in this movie. Um, but no, I, I can't even picture anymore. I, and I love Andrew Garfield and I didn't have an issue. I literally cannot picture anybody other than Tom Holland. Like I, I feel like he is he's like the superior Spider-Man that all other future Spider-Man mess live up to.
0: Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. I, I like Maguire in those first two Spider-Man movies. I know Spider-Man 3 is starting to have its defenders, and I say to you all, stop that. Um I didn't mind the amazing Spider-Man movies. It was it was kind of like both uh, the Maguire-verse and the Garfield-verse. One got Spider-Man right and didn't get Peter Parker right, and vice versa.
2: And Tom Holland got them both right.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Although, I um, I in the last week leading up to... Uh, in the last week, there's been a lot of Spider-Man, um, No Way Home talk, and a lot of people are saying that Holland's Spider-Man is now the future of the MCU. Like he's going to take the mantle that Tony Stark once set on, set on basically and kind of be the de facto leader, which is cool. But also Tom Holland has said, I don't want to keep playing Spider-Man in my thirties. I want to do (laughs) other movies. And I'm like, I also get that kid. I also get that.
2: I completely (laughs) understand. But so has said many uh, you know, Iron Man, Black Widow, um,
1: mm-hmm. and they
2: just keep getting sucked back in because Marvel writes them a big fat check and they yeah. can't say no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The irony that you said that and included Black Widow in that statement is just amazing, <laughs> by the way.
2: But you get my point.
0: Yeah. And also, um, this film has a connection to another superhero movie that we need to talk about. And do we want to bring the room down now or save it for later?
2: Well, uh, I guess go ahead.
0: Okay. Hall learned the death of one of his closest friends on this set.
2: Right. I So I did a little bit of deep diving um, and I, I noticed that as I was uh, researching.
0: Yeah. Apparently he walked off the set and they, during a scene whenever he found out and they came back it was two days later whenever they came back to finish, but at one point in the scene whenever he's getting out of prison, he had a picture of Gyllenhaal Hall and I mean of of Heath Ledger in his back pocket and he wanted to put it on the like in his cell like you know they do pictures of their loved ones as a joke because at the time Ledger was still alive
2: oh yeah. That I know, so. and I, I know he came back from that <clears throat> that that scene, and then he took an extended bere- uh, bereavement leave. Which uh, you don't always think about him when you think about people that talk about how they were close to Heath, because it's almost like people forget about Brokeback Mountain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and no, I, I I'm always I'm always kind of impressed whenever you find out that celebrities had genuine friendships with each other. Um. Because when um, Robert Downey Jr. unfriended everyone on uh, Instagram after Avengers was done, first of all, why was that a news story? Second of all, who cared? Third of third of all, I get that. I mean, I I don't see Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans going golfing on the weekends.
2: No, but that would be pretty cool. Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, it would. I mean, how, how awesome would it be, like, you know? If like one day you and I went to Holly Tree for some reason, uh and Iron Man and Captain America were just on the links. <laughs> like where what happened?
1: <clears throat>
2: yeah, I mean and and that's that's kind of just how uh, that's kinda how Robert Donnie Jr. apparently is. But um yeah. yeah, it is. It's always it's always kinda cool when you find out about these personal relationships because it makes them human.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, we, and
2: you have the big ones, right? Like everybody knows about Matt and Ben. They're, in fact, they're like a Siamese twins, or just associated with each other. But, yeah,
0: although uh, the the better friends ended up being, at least for a while, Ben and Kevin.
2: But, right, but it it's always interesting when you find out, uh, you know, about a friendship that wasn't well publicized that people don't really think about.
0: Mm. And then there's sometimes the. Uh, Friendships that you wish they would stop. <laughs> Which makes about. me
2: kind of curious about this film. Given all the um, animosity between them in the film and and how they were as brothers. I, I should say, like, that didn't really start until Sam got home. I mean, they seemed to be fairly close. And it might have just been because Sam really covered for Tommy. Mm. But um, it makes me wonder what their relationship was actually like.
0: I think, they, I think they got along well. Actually, uh, whenever um, production began, they wanted each other's roles. Like, um, McG- Hall wanted to be um, Sam and McGuire wanted to be Tommy. But Jim Sheridan was like, no one's going to believe McGuire is, you know, an ex-con. So they ended up switching roles.
2: You know what, <clears throat> uh, do you think it could have been reversed? Because I think they could have think, pulled it off. I, I like so. it better the way they cast it, but... Yeah.
0: Well, it, it's kind of like to go back to Heat. Uh, everyone talks about how Pacino and De Niro could have easily swapped roles. And, I mean, it would have been different. I mean, uh, I don't believe I mean, De Niro would have sold the line about, you know, she's got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it. But on, on a certain level, they could have you know, switch roles is just Macaulay would have been coked out of his mind and the cop would have been the calm one, but I might've
2: had a harder time buying Jake Gyllenhaal actually as someone completely straight laced the way Sam was.
0: I don't know. I could see I could honestly see that.
2: Um. So I want to talk a little bit about their performances. This was, this was a new one for me with Tobey Maguire. I my only context with him going into this film was Spider Man.
0: I hate saying that. That's pre- that was pretty much my biggest frame of reference to like. I didn't see the Ice Storm or Cider House Rules. The, some of the pre-Spider Man stuff that he did, where um, he was he was an actor and not a movie star. But this, if you if you watch any of the Spider Man movies and you don't think McGuire's a great actor, then th- you should watch this movie.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's phenomenal. And honestly, it's almost as if he plays two entirely different
1: characters.
0: I, I would honestly say he does. I mean, because there's not much of a difference between convict Hall and nice guy Hall, other than he yells at his dad less.
2: Right. I mean, he has a character arc, but it's more of a, it's more of a normal character arc
0: where Mm -hmm. you're just
2: getting to learn who he is as a person better, but nothing about his core changes all that much other than he, I guess he becomes, he gains a little perspective. He grows up a little bit. He learns Mm -hmm. that, you know, he might want to start settling down and making better choices whereas Sam Starts off as a as a family man. I mean, he's literally he's the yeah. Which uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll kind of get into, but it's no surprise the di- the dynamic between the two of them, because I can't imagine pretty much from the beginning of the film. You almost feel bad for Jillian Hall's character, mm-hmm. in particular after Sam passes away, because I mean, how do you live up to that?
0: Yeah, you can't. And in a way, that is kind of. <sighs> You know, one of the criticisms that I saw about this movie, which there really weren't a lot of criticisms, uh, is that this the American version of the film is more of a typical melodrama. And I kind of see that um, compared to the Danish version. But um, fuck, I lost my point. Um, But because it it falls in. okay, I remember uh, where I was going. And I can see where the melodrama comparisons are are at because all of the family drama, and then I hate I do kind of hate that trope um, in films and stories in general, where you have the golden child and the one that all of the blame gets put on, you know, essentially. I, I, and of course, you know the, the, there's the trope of them overcoming it. I, I think that this film does work better since Sam didn't die I think it's le- you know less of the conventional melodrama since Sam's still alive
2: <laughs> well right I think I think had Sam died this would have been more of a yeah more of a melodrama it would have been about his mm-hmm. relationship with grace his relationship with the kids he likely would have ended up with Grace had Sam died um. Like, that's the direction all this was heading in. And I also, one of the things, the fact that he didn't uh, allowed this movie to do, which I thought was really, really good, and I loved, was the entire, it's almost like you were watching two different films. You were watching mm-hmm. this uh, drama, the aftermath of, you know, Grace losing her husband, Tommy losing his brother, his dad, everything going on back on at home. And you were watching this um, totally separate war film. Um, over in Afghanistan, so you're clued in the whole time on what's going on. And I remember the first time I saw that, I didn't. I de- was shocked. I w- I didn't expect Sam to still be alive, and I didn't expect the route the film was going.
0: That means you never saw the trailer.
2: No, I mean maybe.
0: Well, no, no, no I saw the... the
2: trailer, but maybe I didn't have like a full context. But okay,
0: because they make it very clear that in the trailer. Um, and i think it because i wouldn't even call it a twist it's just a reveal uh because but they make it very clear that uh sam is still alive and naturally of course if you saw the danish version you know you you know where this right.
2: is. right right and keep bear in mind this is the first time i had seen this movie in a very long time and i yeah. and i knew i knew the whole like what happened in this film watching it this most recent time but um I, I don't know. I just thought it was a I like I liked that it was a different film because he was alive and because of how they chose to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and also, it's a different film because the, when Tommy and Grace sh- kiss one night, they decide we're we're not going to go any further. And th- th- it's really just a friendship. and also, not necessarily him stepping up as a parent, but as an uncle.
2: Right. Now, do you think that would have changed had Tommy... Had Sam actually been dead? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think it would have.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think had Sam actually died, they would have had that birthday scene. And the tension would have been... Uh, and he still would have brought that nurse home. And that's where the true tension was going to be. Right. Which, by, by the way, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say right now that... In a film where there's an attack on soldiers, there's uh, someone, may, whenever a character is made to kill another character uh, at gunpoint, that birthday dinner was was maybe in the top three tent, most tense scenes in the entire film. Because I was kind of on edge. Because when that girl kept rubbing and making the noise with the balloon, it's just like, uh, this is not going to end well. It didn't go as badly as I thought it could. I mean, it could have. Because...
1: I
2: remember... <laughs> I remember first seeing that scene, and that scene is fantastic. It's one of my two <coughs> favorite scenes in the whole film. Um, mm-hmm. uh, In part because, man, Bailey Madison does such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have to say, like, as we're talking about performances, you cannot leave out the little girls.
0: The girls are great in this movie, and child actors honestly sometimes terrible and sometimes the worst thing about a movie and these girls were doing really good holding themselves uh, up you know against you know portman and gyllenhaal and kind of mcguire and honestly they kind of sold this tension that i kind of kept waiting for and i was so relieved that it didn't happen of sam snapping and hitting one of the girls
2: Right and yeah, I, I like, fully expected him to either hit one of the girls or to hit her, and
0: um, yeah. Well, had he hit Grace, I'm sorry. I'm I've seen stop loss. It, that wouldn't have been that big of a shock. But had he had he hit one of the children, that would have been yeah. I, that would have been big. But also maybe you know. A little bit over the top
2: yeah and I um I do I think those girls did a really really great job of selling the tension but also they were a big part of like building that whole change in dynamic that was going on at home because even even when Tommy was I mean even when Sam was Sam and he was not um mm. a different person he he mm. wasn't around yeah. And so they didn't have that much of a father figure. And then when Tommy comes into the picture because Sam's gone, so he feels this responsibility, it it makes complete sense that the older daughter, she ha- I, I like the contrast. I think that's the other thing that the little girls did that was so great about their performance was that Bailey Madison's character, being the older one, she was way more aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. The little girl's just happy to have her dad home. Now she gets, she sees something's wrong with daddy, but she doesn't get it as much. And yeah. the older one sees how she's formed a bond with Tommy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she's formed a bond with him, and it's obvious because she keeps bringing it up that she wants him around.
0: So I kind of want to talk about the parents real quick: uh, the stepmom and the dad. The the dad, of course, being played by the late Sam Shepard, who. Um, If you've never seen the right stuff, uh, you need to see that. It's a great movie about um, one of the Apollo missions and Chuck Yeager breaking the speed of sound. And he's just a phenomenal actor and playwright. And um, when he when he passed away, I I can't remember if it was this year or you know last year, but I don't know. It was just like losing like a great American just artist. But playing, and he does do the stereotypical uh, alcoholic father putting more pressure on one son than you know, then later feeling bad about it. But I think he did great. He did. I... He did a he did a lot with with cliche material and did a good job with it. Um, particularly in um, that scene after the funeral, whenever they're in the kitchen and. They don't necessarily, and, you know, it's not the teary, emotional, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. It's just that, you know, that, that guy thing of, uh, then, oh, I said some stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And then whenever he breaks down crying in the kitchen and he's just like, what is with this kitchen?
2: <laughs> I, I love that scene, and yeah. I, I agree. I think that scene... By the way, props to the writing because I I think that the writing in this film is really good and we haven't even talked about it. But I, oh. I do I love that scene because these are you have to remember these are mm. this is a military family, yeah. so they're not going to be overly emotional. The dad obviously has PTSD, also from his time in uh, Vietnam, and mm. then um, you know Hall's character is an ex-convict. Like they're not uh, they're not a and. It seems kind of clear that the mom was not that big a part of the picture. I mean, she was, but...
0: um, Well, the mom is dead. That's the stepmom.
2: No, no. I know, right. Like, they're they're actual moms. So there's a period of time that these boys Mm -hmm. really only have their father who clearly had a drinking problem and had his own issues he was working on. It's not Mm -hmm. a family that is overly emotional. So um, I like the dynamic and I like how you know him and him and Tommy's relationship really shifted,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which just shows how beat up Tommy is. Because essentially, Tommy's there knowing that, as this as, crass as it sounds, it's horrible that to his father. The wrong son died.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and also those two sons are both halves of him. Sam is the mil the straight laced military half, and Tommy is. The who? Well, no. Tommy <laughs> is who he would be if he wasn't in the military. Yeah. Because if he was, if he wasn't a veteran, um, and even sometimes, God, this sounds horrible to say, but even sometimes when they are, that that side comes out.
2: Right. Um. Yeah.
0: But it's funny you mention and compliment the writing, considering. Uh, This film was written by one of history's other great monsters, David Benioff. Does that name ring a bell to you?
2: It does not.
0: Okay, David Benioff is an uh, author who became a screenwriter and then became the showrunner for Game of Thrones. (gasps) So he was one of the two people responsible for those last two seasons of Game of Thrones.
2: Oh, boy.
0: To his credit, Minoff is a great writer, especially whenever he's working by himself. Because um, things like Twenty Fifth Hour are great. Um, you know, this being a good example. Um, I believe he did his best. I believe he wrote. No, I'm getting him convinced with someone confused with someone else because I was about to blame him for uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Beach. You know, and I, I believe that that was that book was written by the guy who would later write the screenplay for Twenty Eight Days Later. That's where my head was going. But I um, and he he also did Troy, and um, and also Game of Thrones is not the worst thing to his credit. He is also a co-writer for that uh, X Men Origins Wolverine movie that we don't like to talk about or acknowledge exists.
2: Well, that makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. But, but I mean, he, I mean, he made his career as a, uh, you know, kind of a screenwriter for hire. He it was adapted, uh, he mostly did like adaptations. Uh, oh, he did the Kite Runner, uh, the adaptation of that movie. I mean, the, the adaptation of that book. But, you know, but yeah, he's got season eight of Game of Thrones to hang on his, uh,
2: career i i would get into a discussion about that but that's a whole podcast episode all into its own um so before moving into our segments one other thing i want to touch on is (laughs) i love her performance in this film um you know there's not always a focus in these military movies on the women Mm -hmm. Um, just simply because what they're trying, it's not to knock them. It's just, it's not the story they're telling. And one of the things I liked about this film is that it really focused on the wife and children Mm -hmm. and the, the kind of collateral damage that they are. Um, you know, not just, not just because of what she's going through with Sam and losing him and having to, you know, even when he, was alive. She was almost a single parent as it was, um, mm. but going through all of that, and then after he first passes away, kind of being a third parent to Tommy.
1: Yeah,
0: when he first passes away, he he never actually passed away. Well, you
2: know movie. what I mean I in, know, in their I just, mind. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> um, one of my favorite moments uh, with Portman, you know, and she does the emotional stuff very well, but. I think my favorite scene with her is it's her and Sam in bed together before he's leaving. And they're talking about, uh, you know, like, you you know, I'll go and you you stay with the kids. Right. <laughs> like, that's just such a sweet and funny scene. And, and you know, and it felt natural. It didn't it didn't seem like, you know, Spider-Man and Queen Amidala are, you know, in bed together. It's just like this feels real. <laughs>
2: Yeah, she, she had a few of those things. I, I, I like the scene with her and Tommy, um, when they're smoking the, I don't know, I'm assuming blunt, but um, she there's a few of those moments, and it's kind of like the very, very small, you can't really say there's comedic, any kind of comedic relief in this film, but there's a few there's of those some. moments that are a little bit relieving, like, Mm-hmm. Like Tommy in the bar trying to touch the bartender's nose. Mm-hmm. You know, little stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, and uh, whenever they're painting and um, the paint gets all over that one guy's clothes, like, that's uh-huh. a good co- comedic scene and also tragic scene because, you know, she just goes up there to give him, he goes to get him, like, a spare pair of pants and a shirt so, you know, he doesn't track paint everywhere. And it becomes, oh, here are my dead husband's clothes. I can't have these, and just trying to give them all away. Like, just trying to get rid of that, you know, memory, I guess, or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, this film just, it's <clears> a really <throat> good job. And a lot of it hinges on the performances of transitioning in those moments, very realistically, the way actual mm-hmm. human emotion works.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are some very much, uh this is how you speak in a movie moments, and and, like, there's a way that... I think whenever Sam is getting ready to go and they just have those awkward I love you's, I'm like that felt feels like screenwriting. And then the scene and then like later whenever they're in bed talking about I'll go and you stay or I, I almost wish they had continued that and had one more thing like, I got an no idea, we'll stay and we'll send the kids.
1: <laughs>
0: just you know. And that just feels real. So and this is back when we were allowed to like David Benioff's writing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alrighty, so is there anything else you want to go over before we move into our final segments?
0: Um, yeah, I have a question for you, and this may not be an answerable question. I just want to see what you think happens after the movie ends. Like. <laughs> Do, do sam and grace get back together or is he able to have the normal life he he questions um do they divorce tell me what's brothers uh, two
2: part of me wants to say that they are able to get back together and work it out the other part of me is concerned that he ends up going to like prison for murder um even under those circumstances um I don't know i i mean i kind of think that they alluded to with the choice he made by telling her that Mm. they probably work it out
0: yeah and there's also the dark much darker version where he he loses his fight with his demons
2: correct that's also a possibility
0: yeah all right what happens to tommy after that
2: well, it depends if Grace ends up, you know, if they work it out. The lighter version of all this, I think Tommy actually figures it out. I think he settles down. I think he has kids. I think he stays involved with his nieces. Um, do you think I he? Think uh, if, uh, what
0: do you do? You think he stays with the nurse? Because I kind of ship him with no. the nurse.
2: Um, uh, maybe. I kind of liked her. Yeah. Um, I was like, how would you two um, meet? Um,
0: uh, come on, that's a great meat cute They got in a bar, they, they met at a bar, they got drunk, and then went, witnessed the most tense birthday dinner ever.
2: <laughs> well, she's seen the worst of the family right now, so that, honestly, I mean, that
0: is true. <laughs> that is true. She's it's been like, there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think that if <laughs> Sam loses his battles with his demons in the darker version, that mm-hmm. Tommy probably ends up with Grace.
0: I don't know. I think in the darker version, even... <sighs> as much as we would obviously like because um in that moment whenever he's watching whenever sam's watching them ice skating and he says they look like two teenagers in love and you do see that but i i don't see them actually being a couple because i i see them being being the cool uncle and mom but i don't i don't i don't see them ever really getting together because that's just kind of weird also
2: um, I mean, you know, I say that, but I actually n- have known people where that happened, and I think it just has to do with um, shared trauma more than yeah. anything, but... Um, that is true. That's my answer.
0: Okay. All right. So, yeah, why don't we move forward?
2: All righty. So, um, for those of you, if this is your first time listening, um, interesting episode you picked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. We generally Go back and segments. listen to one of the more fun ones. <laughs> we have a few segments on this show, um, depending on which segments apply. Um, our first one being best line, worst line. I don't know about you. I don't really have a worst line.
0: No, um, I'm, I, I, there was nothing that stood out. I mean, I'm not saying every line in this movie was gold, jerry gold. Nothing stood out to me as being terrible. Right, Like, like even the kids' dialogue was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I'd have to say, so one of my best lines is an exchange between um, Tommy and the youngest daughter, where she says, hey, no drinking out of the carton, it's gross. And he says, shut up, you're gross. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was a very very awkward moment. But I really have more favorite scenes. And my first favorite scene is the obviously most awkward, intense birthday party ever uh, for, like, a six- or seven-year-old. Which, by the way, speaking of trauma, these these poor girls have been through it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But when the older daughter stands up and screams at Sam, um, why couldn't you just stay dead? Yeah. That was one of the Uh, most intense moments in the film.
0: Yeah, I I would have to go with tense moments in this movie. Like, the showdown with the cops as number one. Number two, probably whenever um, Sam has to beat uh, his fellow Marine to death with a pipe at gunpoint. Mm. And then number three is everything in the birthday dinner. Like, start (laughs) to finish. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <coughs> really, was starting with that scene, um, the scene with the cop starting in the home. You know, when he when she first comes downstairs and he asks her if the kids are asleep, so that you know, you know, something really bad's about to happen.
0: So for me, I would say I don't have it uh, verbatim. I don't have it word for word, but and I've already kind of hinted at it, but that the scene where Tommy and his dad have the have the non-apology apology you know because you know they don't show their full emotions but they do bury the um, and sam Shepard just tearfully going what is with this kitchen <laughs> and um also the line about uh what's that on the floor and he's like pancake you want it and Okay, this isn't a worse line, but it is pretty melodramatic, but Tommy at one point does say, I'd cut my throat to bring him back, like, like it's not a bad line, but it is an overly melodramatic
2: line. Alright, um, well, since neither of us have worse lines, I guess we can move into our final segments of um, likes and dislikes. So, um, what did you like about the film that we haven't covered?
0: I mean, we really haven't gone scene by scene. Um, You know, and we haven't really covered a lot of the scenes. We just kind of hit surface level. And I think that's kind of good. Like, I know we kind of spoiled the movie. And I think even going in, knowing what's going to happen. I mean, I I didn't spoil the movie for myself, but I kind of... You kind of have one to three scenarios going in whenever you watch this movie. Um, But i love the tense those tense scenes because it just and you know because i think i texted you when whenever the he had to beat john to death with a pipe and i was just like like holy shit um but i think my favorite moment is has got to be that scene with sam and grace uh, the uh you stay you know, i'll go and you stay with the kids um I'm honestly due to just absolute exhaustion, I'm kind of struggling with this one. So why don't you just start saying words and I'll just say yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean we covered we covered most of it, you know, barring going scene by scene. But like I said, I think I really loved how you were almost watching two different films. Mm-hmm. Um it, it it was this very Interesting contrast between what was going on in Afghanistan, what was going on back there, um, back at home. And one of the things I really liked is this obsession Sam had when he came home that Grace and Tommy were together. And I think it's mm. because he was looking for a reason to mm-hmm. blow everything up because he felt so guilty over what he did. Yeah. Like, he was just living with this intense amount <clears number throat> of guilt and trauma yeah. that I think... <clears throat> The only thing he could do was focus on some level of betrayal. Yeah. And he needed, basically, he needed an excuse to have the breakdown Mm -hmm. that he had.
0: Yeah. I think he he even at times was baiting his daughters, like with the jokes, the one about the the elephant. And he just is saying, like, well, what's funny about it? And then later, um, oh, the other joke he tells, um, oh, about um,
2: the, the salad dressing, the, the salad
0: dressing, yeah. <laughs> and it's like he's trying to pick them into this, and I, the girls are rightfully just like, mm, "This is not right." <laughs>
2: and the other thing i really loved was uh, tommy's relationship with the girls i thought it was really good it was really well developed because it was really organic i mean mm-hmm. they, they didn't know him really well prior to him starting to show up and yeah um i, I liked it i particularly love that scene where he the first night he sleeps over at the house cuz she came and picked him up she came and picked him up drunk and the little girl maggie is waking him <laughs> up by paint. um whisking pancakes and he was like mm-hmm. stop it and she just goes no
0: this is not my house. Ha- this is not your house. <laughs> I don't have to listen to you. Um, um, oh, and whenever he uh, first, co- you know, comes home in the in the movie, and um, he's there with the flowers, and uh, she's just like, "My mom doesn't like you, Grace. Why would like Why would you say that? Because that's what you said."
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I I do. I just I really liked how his relationship with the girls. Um, mm-hmm was developed and, and sort of what it grew into because he was really the father that they were kind of, that they were Needing. missing prior to, yeah, that they were missing prior to Sam's, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, uh, change, not just in his personality, but really he, he mm. almost was not the same person when he came back, but. oh um, he,
0: He's not, he's, he's not the same person. Also, can we talk about Toby Maguire's face acting? Like, whenever he comes back, that look of he's either going to burst out in a maniacal laugh or burst into tears, and you're not sure which. Just that kind of blank expression is just chilling, honestly.
2: Yeah, I mean, his honestly, all the performances in this film can't be overstated.
0: Mm -hmm. Um. Like, maybe the worst performance in the movie is like, Mary Will Willingham because they gave her nothing to do. <laughs> it's like,
2: <laughs> and take even this then cassero- she was kind of great and endearing. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Okay. It's like, take- it's oh, like her, her her role was like take the casserole out of the oven, bitch about the kitchen, and diffuse every situation between Tommy and the d- dad until Sam is the problem. Okay. Oh, and so- oh, and we haven't talked about um um before she was the thing, Carrie Mulligan being in this movie. Oh, right. As John's widow in that scene where she just shows up, you know, and it's like, like, did you see anything when my husband died? Nope, I didn't see anything.
2: Nope. It was one of the most um, intense scenes, <coughs> you know, in part because you you, at any moment after Sam gets back, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a mental breakdown mm-hmm. um, until he finally does.
1: Yeah,
0: um. you know, and it's almost a relief whenever he has that breakdown, and and no one dies, and he's a, just able to like, I'm just gonna go lay down for a little while. This is good,
2: right? You did not expect <coughs> that.
0: No, um, because you think, is he gonna shoot? You know, Tommy? Is he gonna shoot Grace? Is he gonna shoot Grace and the kids? Is he gonna shoot Tommy, Grace, and the kids, and then himself?
2: right i mean the film could have gone a totally different direction.
0: yeah mm-hmm. well in in the 2021 lens um sorry if this offends people but whenever he shot the the gun in the air the cops had every right to eradicate him on that property
2: right and i think the only reason they didn't is because of who he was
0: yeah because they knew him and they even knew tommy and tommy was just like let me handle this <clears throat>
2: I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but do either I mean, do you have any dislikes in this film because I don't?
0: I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and call this film perfect. Like this is not a five star film. It's but and we'll get into that in a minute. But if I have any complaints about this movie, it is just absolutely nitpicking to nitpick, um, to be honest. I mean, is some stuff a little cliche and a little melodramatic? Yeah. Does it matter? No. It's like, is every line gold? Yeah. I mean, is every line gold? No. Does it matter? No. That—that's kind of where I stand. stand about. How about you?
2: Yeah, uh, I pretty much have the same thing. It would only be nitpicking. The only thing I could say is I actually could have stood for this film to be a little bit longer, and to develop a few more things like. Um, one of the things I also liked about the film was that uh, the different reactions each family member had to Sam coming back. Because it's not just a shock for him, it's a shock for them. They've learned how to adjust mm-hmm. without him. And yeah. all of a sudden he's back and it's kind of blowing up all of their worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, as she does in most things, I think the stepmother handles it the best. But um
1: mm-hmm.
2: That I mean, that's just a that asks that asks a bit a really big question of the audience, which is how would you react to something like that? To thinking a loved one was gone, finding a way to move on, and then all of a sudden they're back. Um, especially with the little girls, that's a that's mm-hmm. a really big.
0: Um, well, well, and as you're sitting there saying all this, I'm thinking it's honestly. I think it was so easy for them to transition to him being gone you know, thinking for gone forever because he was gone so much. Right. Like, especially the youngest, like, you know, it would be incredibly easy for her to move on. Um, kind of reminds me of two films that are completely different from this movie and also each other, but uh, there's a film called Mama. It's a uh, horror film that Del Toro produced, and it's about um two girls who... Um, Survived survived an abusive family, but they were left in the woods and essentially became feral, and were raised by this ghost-like figure. Uh, and one daughter was is had an easier time adjusting to uh, the world outside, and the other daughter didn't. And then the other movie it brings to mind is Castaway, um, when they think he's that he's dead and he's just been chilling with Wilson this whole time, and. <laughs> That character did move, you know, that his character, that character's wife did move on and remarry. And it's just kind of like, it's got to be hard on anyone in that position, whether, you know, they're gone for good or a little while or seven years on an island chilling with a volleyball. Right. Yeah.
2: All right. So time for the big question. Um I don't think this is gonna be a big surprise to anybody, but we do this anyway because that's what the name of the podcast is. So yeah. um John, did you survive this film?
0: You know what? I really did. I really, really did. And um uh, I remember I texted you like as soon as it was done, I was like, Oh my god, wow, that was like awesome. This i I I'm glad that you made me watch this movie. Um And I'm glad I saw it. I still want to watch the Danish version, and I'm kind of glad in retrospect now I didn't see the Danish version beforehand because had I absolutely loved that one, I would have been a whole lot harder on this film. I, I think the circumstances of not seeing the original plus being absolutely exhausted and on cold medicine, you know... It could, it could have been an absolute strike against this film, uh, those last two things. But even in my most exhausted state on um, cold meds yesterday, I got sucked into this film immediately. Like I didn't check the, I didn't check the clock. I didn't uh, play on my phone. Like I was into this movie. And um, I know it's got a slightly lower um, rating on Letterbox for me than sleep away Camp, but this is like four and a half out of five for me. I genuinely loved this movie and will I watch it again not anytime soon I think this is one of those like need to take a breather from like Sleepaway Camp is something I will turn on to fall asleep to this is something I will I will watch when I want to be engaged with something so like I will admit this is a better movie than sleepaway camp but this is not as fun as sleepaway camp will you accept that
2: i will accept that um yeah not this gonna shock anybody this was my pick but yeah definitely survived this this falls somewhere in my top 100 where it falls i have no idea i'm not as good about john um of like actually listing in a listing them out but um you don't would, understand how hard this that was film, though it's, it's, to me it's like stop loss although I would argue and completely agree with you this is a um qualitatively better film than stop loss I love them both mm-hmm. but they are both films that I have to be in a particular mood to watch them because they're very intense and they yeah. draw you in so it's not like turning on a Hallmark film no or sleepaway camp
0: no even though uh with the with the right amount of uh, rewrites, this movie could have been a Hallmark film. You know, one of the... Not a holiday one, but like a serious one. Right. Yeah.
2: Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel.
0: <laughs> Isn't that where uh, the cookie-baking detective goes off to solve solve murders? The least grisly murder since Murder, She Wrote? Essentially. Yeah. Played by Jewel.
2: Um... <sighs> But Alrighty. speaking,
0: of, but speaking of dead people, Sammy, what are we doing next week?
2: Um, we are doing. <coughs> we're actually going back to the early '90s, one of my favorite places.
0: Yeah. Um, oh I wait, think. we're going back to the episode we teased at uh, Zodiac because I forgot our schedule changed.
2: Yep. Um, we are going to be covering "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead," and there will be a special guest.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and uh, before we kind of get into the rest of our rambling on the show, because um, I know we both have things we want to talk about, I, I just want to say I, I appreciate listeners, y'all, kind of putting up with us. Uh, I know we warned y'all about things kind of being inconsistent since we started the show, but um, we're, you know, we're not abandoning y'all for better or worse. So, but thank y'all for you know sticking around and being still being there. <laughs> That being said, Sammy, you got anything you want to plug?
2: I do. I'm going to do a quick plug um, because of the time. But I started watching last weekend Mayor of Kingstown. And in true Sammy fashion, I entirely watched it because Hawkeye and um, Coach Taylor Friday. are in it. Friday Night Lights. Um, yeah, I call
0: him Friday Night Lights because I don't know his character name. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but it has not disappointed. Um, as, you know, Jeremy Renner I mean, he he just can't disappoint So
0: You say that and one day I'm going to make you watch National Lampoon's senior trip
2: You will not ruin him for me
0: Okay, you love Sean Penn He started his career as Spicoli on Fast Times This was his Spicoli <laughs> okay. is, it a, is it as culturally relevant as Fast Times? No Is it incredibly hard to find on DVD? Probably is it going to be happening on the show anytime soon? God no.
2: All right. Well, <laughs> thank God for small favors.
0: Yeah. So, where is Mayor of Kingstown? Obviously, the king. He's
2: it's in on Kingstown. Paramount, right next to Yellowstone.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, it's. I think I saw today that it's from uh, Taylor Sheridan. So, Taylor Sheridan's the creator of uh, Yellowstone.
2: Right. Um, yeah, I do think it's the same creator.
0: No, it it is because the 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 literal commercial I saw said from the creator of Yellowstone.
2: Who <laughs> incidentally is in Yellowstone?
0: Oh yeah, I forget he's an actor as well. I mm-hmm. I, I know him mostly as a writer because he wrote, you know, uh, Hell or High Water, Wind River, Sicario. He's just good at like modern westerns.
2: Um. All right, John, do you have anything to plug?
0: I, I did. Uh, in Instead of watching uh, my, my beloved Mahomes uh, beat your boys today, um, instead of watching that, I um, checked out the live-action Cowboy Bebop on Netflix today. Uh, just And this is just for Sammy. Cowboy Bebop is, like, one of the most essential animes out there. Like Even people who don't like anime consider that like an essential show it's like if they've seen any anime it's like that and the movie akira um so um but netflix did a live action version of it which is not always the best idea but i watched the pilot and i gotta say um i i didn't love it i didn't hate it i i'm curious to keep going because i only watched the first episode um it doesn't quite have the spirit of the original, but it's got its own thing going. And I'm curious. Plus John Cho is spike is just great, great casting, but I had fun with it. Going to see where it goes from there. Also, I I listened to the new Adele album and um, was not sad. And I'm sad to report. I didn't love it as much as I had hoped to. Uh, But for me, The original, the the lead off single, um, easy on me, and then the song to be loved are the best songs on the album, and it's not bad, it's just probably the least good Adele album.
2: All right, well, now that we've gotten canceled by both the Swifties and the Adele fans, I think that's enough fan bases insulted in one episode,
0: yeah. Oh, and I insulted the (laughs) anime people by saying that the live action version is something wasn't the worst thing on the planet so it's not it's not last airbender people come on let's just be real all right well sammy thank you for um making me watch this movie against my will um (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) sorry i'll cut that out So, Sammy, thank you for making me watch this movie against my will. But, listeners, thank you for listening to us at will. And uh, if you like what you heard, go back and listen to the old episodes. If you haven't already, uh, give us a like. Give us a a nice rating on uh, uh, wherever you're listening to this, to, so we get some uh, positive uh, things happening with the algorithms, however that works. I don't know. But... uh, You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, whether you want to or not. Um, See, Sammy's got Instagram and uh, TikTok going. Uh, Are we doing anything with YouTube anymore?
2: Um, We want to get into YouTube, but uh, we've run into some technical issues with how they post their videos and our audio. So we're having to work out how that's going to work here and out until I can convince John to move into a new format for the this podcast so stay tuned on the youtube version but that's going to be on hiatus for um at least until the new year
0: so stay tuned for an inevitable patreon campaign uh mostly so i can raise the money to pay someone to help me learn how to edit video (laughs) but um anyway so listeners thank y'all for uh joining us once again and until next week bye Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash surviving chick flicks where $5 a month get you an ad-free version of the show as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved.
1: Sarah Miller's out was in there for her birthday. Isabel?
2: It's true. She had to bring him a cake in prison.
1: It's not just military families, there's a lot of folks under pressure these days. Well, They've got problems in all walks of life. Every family's got their own set of problems.